welcome to The Big Deal, where we unlock the details and drama behind the business of sport in Australia and around the world. Join me, Warren Treadray, along with Andrew Montessi and our expert guests as we take you into the boardroom for behind-the-scenes access and analysis of contracts, negotiations, endorsements and much more. Subscribe to our show on your favourite podcast player and don't forget to sign up to www.thebigdeal.au for a weekly wrap of the latest deals, breaking news and many more exclusive opportunities. Welcome back to another episode of The Big Deal. I'm Jack Hudson and you'll be hearing more from me on this podcast along with Andrew Montessi and the man himself, AFL legend Warren Treadray. G'day Treaders. Hey Jack, how you doing mate? There's plenty going on in this world of sport. Um, I can't wait to get to see this one of these new stadiums and we'll talk about that over in Real Madrid. Absolutely nuts. But first, let's probably talk AFL and uh, our boys and my old boys. Yeah. Port Adelaide struggled a little, um, but it's amazing. Uh, I was on Talkback Radio last night. I got abused by one old lady um, <laughs> because of my comment six months ago. Um, and then the Port Faithful are pretty filthy, but the reality is you finish top four for a reason. You get a second chance against the Giants this week. Um, and to be fair, I don't know where you sit on this one, Jack, but I wasn't totally surprised. I was surprised at the nine-goal loss, um, considering they had a nine-goal win. So it's an 18-goal turnaround from round one. Um, but the Lions are up and about. They're a better team at the moment. They're more deadly forward to centre, and they've got more players in red-hot form, and Port really mailed one in. And the Gabba factor as well. Like They've been unbeaten there all season, so that's no surprise. But... I'm not surprised in terms of the margin. Once it got out of Port's reach, it seems it's been a common theme this year that it has been a toys-out-the-cot sort of situation that we've seen frustrations. Like, you look at the Geelong loss in Academia Park. You saw Jason Hall Francis shove Tom Stewart to the ground. Like, they just get frustrated really quickly. And the fan base is the most divided it has ever been. And that is only really ramped up because of this qualifying final. And if this Saturday, this Saturday goes pear-shaped, oh, boy. Yeah, I think guns in holsters for all that stage. But, yeah, and then this is all the questioning about, and we've spoken about it um, uh, on the big deal previously, is, yeah, the club said they they won't look at any extension for a coach till August. Then all of a sudden they pitch August. I don't think, I think I've said many times August was never the date. The judgment was always going to be when a coach like Ken Hinckley's in his 11th year hadn't been able to get the team to a grand final, even though they'd had three prelim final appearances in 14, 2020 and 21, whether they can go that next level, because that's what the fans are saying. Yeah. Um, coach says they've got the best ever list and now they're in a situation where they're going to be touch and go whether they can even get to a prelim on form and injuries so it just makes that extension crazy but hey we sit and wait um, and if they win through against the Giants in ripping form then then maybe they can get a couple back from injury but they do look a bit decimated at the moment but the massive story in the AFL uh, as we continue on there is the Maynard suspension on Brayshaw Um Brayshaw, Angus Brayshaw has been, obviously, we kicked the ball, got cleaned up afterwards. Uh, I genuinely believe Maynard, he plays on the line. If you wanted a player in your team, you want a guy like that. He plays ruthless footy. Um, These guys actually went to school together, so they know each other pretty well. But the reality is Brayshaw's had multiple concussions. When you had multiple concussions, you're more likely to get concussed. And that's what I'm seeing in this this instance. And, And this is sad because we're seeing this a lot in footy. On the other side, I look at what Maynard did. He had two choices, run at him and try and smother it or run at him, try and jump and smother it. He did both. There wasn't any attempt to knock him out or clean him up or put him in hospital back in the old days, which you would do, and they'd just say, oh, you left yourself open. Uh, I think there were contributing factors from either side. Yes, jumping, trying to reach for the ball 
with his arms stretched out, didn't work out, then he's obviously can't do anything when you're midair. People are trying to say in this world and this discussion that you can move yourself midair. It's not the matrix. It doesn't work like that. So he lands, he hits him, he doesn't drop his shoulder. Yes, head contact is made, but he pretty much done as much as he can. People in Melbourne media are even going to say, well, why didn't he put his arms out to push him back? Well, this is pathetic. This is split-second stuff, and this is why we need to do away with super slow-mo replays. We do that to make it more horrifying. We do that to make it more uh, conversational, to drive the talkback radio and then the news agenda. We don't. We should only use it to work out where contact is being made and then get rid of it and play it in real time and go, okay, what, are you on your lounge chair? How quick would you have moved? You can't even get out of your chair. So <laughs> I think this is where it's gone crazy. I get what the AFL's done. Michael Christian, by word, didn't want to report this. The AFL, in some reports, have said, well, you do that, your job might become, should I say badly, untenable. Um, <laughs> Laura Kane, the new head of footy, stepped in and they've charged him. It didn't surprise me. It's probably the best way to do it so we know where things are going. We've ruled out the bump. Um, we're now, you know, we're in a situation where you, you're going to rule out a smother or anyone who does anything that results in injury. It's the way the AFL's doing this. And the, I can understand partly the way, but it is a contact sport. The biggest issue here is the insurance for the head knocks in the past. We've seen it in the NFL. There'll be a massive check cut by the insurance company. The issue then, it's not going to cost the AFL anything. The issue then is it's going to cost the AFL after that because who's going to be able to be um, afford the premiums? Players, and we'll get to the new pay deal that's come out, um, being offered at the moment with the AFL, and it's a big bump of pay rise. But who's going to be able to, they'll probably have to self-insure. You know, the insurance companies aren't going to say, hey, yeah, we'll, we'll sign up for 700 blokes who run into each other. Um, <laughs> and there are, and there are rules where you can get cleaned up. So this is where I sit back. The tribunal, that in the end, I understand why the AFL did it. They classified it um, as three, three weeks uh, or straight to the tribunal. They've done that. And now the pressure is on the tribunal. Um, and I hope for the sake of um, transparency, no one's being leaned on um, because let's put it this way. We, we need this. Uh, if he gets off, which I actually think he got off, should get off because it is a footy incident. But let's just say if he does get off uh, next year, the loophole will be changed even closer. You know, And that's where um, footy has changed a lot uh, in the last 10 years, in the even last five years, in the last two years. Yeah, it's one of those um, cases that's probably going to change the course of footy no matter what it does. Like if he gets suspended and rubbed out for the whole finals, then yeah, that whole action, because how is he meant to protect himself in that fast motion? Is he meant to knock his own head at the same time, potentially? Yeah, well, this is the bit. It, it, when you're, you're prone to concussions and you have from having to wear a helmet because of that, and this is the sad bit, it's, it's like a hamstring. If you've got a, a, a dicky knee or a crook hamstring, you're more likely to keep doing that. Um, because that's how it is. Uh, the only thing I could have thought is, and the only bit I, I've struggled with, and since these head knocks came in back when I think James Begley got cleaned up by Byron Prickett in a preseason game uh, when I was playing back in 2005 or 2006, and Mark Williams at the time said, we've got to protect people over the ball, and, and I get that. But what we're talking even with a sling tackle now, the sling tackle was when they were hammer throwing. You grab the jersey and sling them into the fence. Now sling tackle is any double movement where the head hits the ground. Now what are players doing? Players are throwing their head into the ground to try and milk a free kick. It's no different many years ago when they said head high contact. Blokes would lead with their head. What I'm seeing now in this incident is those players who are younger and Maynard and Brayshaw, when I was taught as a kid, you'd actually turn your head. You had to turn your head. You had to turn your body to pick up the ball. Now players are taught to come straight through. 
fundamentally it needs to start back at the under six, under eights, um, also uh, Auskick, to teach them again. You've got to get side to protect yourself because if I'm Brayshaw, and I know it's a split second, he goes to kick. He can, even if he's watching the ball, his peripheral vision can see something happening. Naturally, what's your first instinct? Kick the yeah. ball, turn and protect yourself. He didn't do that. So that also says to me that fundamentally maybe an area of improvement is, and I'm not sure if their time was to do it, but I've seen it for years where blokes just go pick up the ball leading into a pack to work a free kick. They could end up being a paraplegic. And I think it needs to be get your leg in front of the other. You get your leg and your bum in between the ball and your opponent. So you take the physical contact. And I think that's the area where we need to improve this because otherwise – We'll be in a situation where everyone's going to be sighted. Our best players aren't going to be available. And this happened in two weeks' time. We're going to be have one of the best players potentially um, unavailable to play in a grand final. I don't think anyone wants that unless we've got clarity about exactly what we're doing. Absolutely. And I think it's going to take a generational swing, like you said, to sort of fix that issue. But Absolutely. Let's get into the AFL trade um, situation. And Brody Grundy looked like he was out and bound and maybe not. Well, it was pretty unrealistic, wasn't it? You sit there and go, oh, yeah, Sydney haven't done anything. Geelong haven't often think, oh, yeah, we'll head to Port Adelaide. It takes one journo to say, well, Port's in the box seat, which is great. And he, he comes from South Australia, so too his wife or partner. Um, but the reality of the situation is it even felt a little bit uneasy for a Port person going, yeah, that'd be great if we could get him. But Sydney with Hickey retiring, Buddy Franklin um, retiring, there's probably close to a million dollars cap space. Um and all Sydney would need to do is take over Melbourne's portion of the trade. So uh, Sydney has a couple of second-round picks that they could give. That would probably work out. And why it would lend to Grundy's ways, maybe he's um, has lifestyle, Adelaide, footy bubble. He's gone from Collingwood, the biggest club, but he always seems to be that bloke who marches to the beat of his own drum. Mm. Um, Non-footy town, Sydney lifestyle, beaches, Chilled out, probably better weather in winter, no doubt about that, than Melbourne and Adelaide <laughs> uh, and even Perth. So so maybe that works for him. I'm not sure. And it'll all be on the pitch. And you go, well, where's both teams? Well, Sydney just got knocked out of the finals um, and probably you know, could have been, should have been better than what they were. Um, could they do with a Ruckman? Yes, because the Ruckman's going. Port Lysette played really well on the weekend. Looks like he might slip out. Um, if they were to get Grundy. So either option on field is really exciting. Sydney played in the grand final last season. So and Port's sort of around the mark and needs some improvement. So I think on the field either side's fit, but if it, it just depends if he wants a footy manic state and a move home to family or potentially go to Sydney for a few years and then move home post footy. Hundred percent. And like everyone was going about, wouldn't he love to be tapping down to Horn Francis, Rosie and Butters, but I don't think Golden and Warner are too far behind if Yeah at all. He, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you got Luke Parker and their leadership there in the back half. They're also into McKay from North Melbourne. Looks like they'll probably get him from free agency. So if Sydney can walk away from a disappointing season where they haven't got to the heights of last year, you know, and that was always going to be difficult unless they went back to a grand final and won it. Um, but if you lose Buddy Franklin and Hickey and then you got Grundy and McKay in on the, the talent they've got, and they've got a pretty young list, Sydney, and considering where they're at, uh, I think they'd be... You know, it had set themselves up in the next three or four years to really give it a genuine shake. But it, it doesn't stop much further because we continue on with this final series. Max Gorn's apparently going to be playing with a broken toe, so good luck to Max. But then whether that means Grundy might actually get in that forward spot, um, mm. that might be interesting. Selection will come out in the next 48 hours. 
Uh, Shane McAdam, who last week rejected a two-year deal for Adelaide, but ta- wants to take up a three-year deal to go to Melbourne. Apparently, he has it's been reported he's had difference of opinion with fitness staff. I'm not sure about that, but reality is he hasn't been part. He's been part of the rebuilding journey. If he wants to go on three years, Adelaide will get a draft pick back. Um, I don't see that as a massive, massive loss. He wants to go for another opportunity. Well, that'll give more space for a younger kid that Adelaide went to the draft pretty hard the last few years to get to. And one of the other ones that Adelaide is toing and frying about is um, Tom Duday. The word around is that this is a two or three year deal on his three-year deal on the table for him. It was a five-year deal. Adelaide's cut that back after he's had his second knee reconstruction. And everyone keeps saying the big deals are coming from Brisbane. Um, and he wants to stay in Adelaide. But I reckon that's just talk. If Brisbane land a long-term deal, five years, I think he's gone. And I think Adelaide would would move happily with that one too. 100%. Now, he's um, had a few injuries, um, poor old dudes. But, um, yeah, it would be a great move for Brisbane. Um, and Players Association, the agreement is near. Like, looking like teetering for a bit. But now it's looking like the players are going to get what they want. Isn't it funny? They always go, yeah, we're going to go to you know, strike or we're going to go to industrial <laughs> relations and these opinions and get different people in. They're always strikes a deal. Um, as we say, the, the league is currently, to break some numbers down for you, Jack, the league's currently playing players about 400,000. So we've got 406,000 per player. But with this pay rise, right, which is set to hit about 30%. Jeez. Yeah, that's right, 30%. By 2027... I'll put it nicely. Average players who are just average, we scream at every week, they're going to earn $600,000 a year. And well, that's the AFL average. So obviously there's some blokes there on telephone numbers over a million. And then the, the juniors are what would probably be, they, they even make, I'd love to know what the first year players, we haven't got all that detail yet, but first year players are on about 150 grand. They, they might go to 250 grand straight out of school for two year contract. To spend all your time eating, drinking protein shakes and trying to lift weights so you can get big enough to play AFL. (laughs) But, yeah, as you said, this is take months of high-level discussions. Um, The the men and the female are set to vote on this landmark deal, which goes to the AFLPA board. It's worth $2.2 over the next five years. The minimum wage for the women, um, the AFLW, they certainly don't miss out. They go from an average salary, right, of forty grand to $70,000. Um, last year there were 12 players who went more than a million, right? With 51 players more than 800,000 in the AFL. And they're saying with the new pay rise, by the time it kicks in, there'll be at least 50 players. That's right, 50 players earning more than a million dollars a season to play AFL football. Jeez. Did, yeah. Do you think there is 50 players in the league that probably deserve that million these days? Like... Oh, I look at it and I go, yes. Why? Because they're making the money. Yeah. It, it's, you know, is the Santos CEO worth what? I think I read once he was on 18 million bucks. That little dude who used to run Qantas as until a week ago, didn't he get like 20 odd million dollar severance and cash in all these shares? Well, and that's for a business that was barely kept above board in, uh, in COVID. But I, I always had the theory that if someone, if the business makes the money and the people that put on the show, they should be getting paid. 100%. And there's no doubt about it because on the other side of this, imagine what the AFL executives' bonuses are going to be once that new TV deal was done. That tells you how much. 
you know, how big it is. So for players to bump 30%, absolutely. They're the one that put on the show. They're the ones that got the broken bodies. They're the one that has to put up with this, did he bump, did he not get suspended? Um, and also, too, for the women, let's face it, when you look at the, the men's attendances this year were 7 million, the women's last year were 400,000. It's work in progress. It's great for young girls to get an opportunity. Um, and for people who are probably going to sit there and go, that's not fair, that's not equal opportunity. Well, it is equal because the women's game is not making money. Um it's not being broadcast. You know, it's costing to be broadcast the AFL. So the men, I think, have done a really good job um, supporting the AFL full stop, AFL men and AFL women. And the fact that the girls can go from 40,000 to 70,000, I think is huge considering they're still growing. They're part of the, the pie. And, and and if you talk about, you know, for people who think it should all be even, well, the girls are getting a greater share of the revenue than the men are um, because the, 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 the women's game has attracted different sponsors in the games, men's games has, but it, it certainly doesn't have the attendance or the TV deals that are around. And and that's the working progress. And then speaking to some AFL players recently, they're massively committed to helping grow the females because it was standalone. Uh, the AFLW competition wouldn't be anywhere near where it was. It wouldn't be 18 teams. It wouldn't be 10 rounds. It wouldn't be finals. It wouldn't be broadcast on TV because it's competing with other sports. So I think what the men have done here in supporting along the way, and now at stage that a young girl coming into the system, playing her dream, can earn 70 grand playing footy. Now, we all start out, make no mistake. Look at these men's numbers. I started out, when I first got a match payment for playing reserves at Port Adelaide, 50 bucks. I was so pumped. Jeez. Because normally footy meant for me, straight after a game, going to my wallet, getting out money and buying a pie and a pasty and a, and a can of Coke Yeah, back in the day. You just love sport. You didn't do it for money. And the fact that, you know, the young men and women of tomorrow are going to be looked after with this new pay, day, pay deal is, is brilliant. And I think it's great for them. And that number takes it probably into a full-time role as well. Like that's a significant jump to actually they can have AFLW as a full-time job. Yeah, and and I think that's I think that's great because where we at in the world, you know, we're in a situation where that won't include your big names like your Aaron, Aaron Phillipses or your Chelsea Randalls or now Daisy Pierce is retired, but um, working at Geelong. Well, that that includes that females role on the coaching panel full time. Um, but this is just the average numbers. So the average numbers is you know when you're you're barely getting to forty grand, and then you're going to go to seventy for doing the thing you love. This is brilliant. And, and don't worry, it's not going to be the end of it. That'll be up, you know, if it continues to grow like it is, the game, both women's. And, and let's face it, if the, the men's game, I always keep thinking it might tap out at some stage mm. um, because you can't keep relying on free-to-air TV bankrolling at, at a massive loss. And that's what they have done for a number of years. But imagine if you get to a situation where the women's ratings, TV ratings are going really, really well, then they'll get a greater share of the pie. And I think that's exciting for everyone. 100%. And quickly before we finish up on the AFL, Bulldogs are still more clean out, more assistant coaches. What on earth is going on down there? Yeah, well, I spoke to someone who is pretty well connected in the coaching space. Uh, I think Brendan Lade will stay around, my old teammate, which is great news. I think he went, went there on a three-year deal, so he was certainly staying there. But Luke Beveridge is under pressure because, you know, I think he's done a wonderful job where they've got his – he's won a premiership um, and he got to a grand final. Mm. Yeah, the acid's been uh, applied to him. Um, whereas, you know, a few Port fans sit there and go, <laughs> well, we haven't even got to a grand final yet. And they're not easy to get to, absolutely. So, 
Um, they're clearly changing the people around, putting different support around, you know, what want to move new faces in. It started with Rowan Smith going. I think Travis Farco's since gone. Uh, North Melbourne marched a couple of guys. Well, not marched, or they said it was mutually stepped aside. You never know what you believe. But Johnny Blakey and Gavin Brown had been there for a long period of time, have moved. Um, Brett Ratton had retired from that. So there, there's plenty going on in the footy world. And this is the time where... Um, uh, this new little website I've been checking out, House of Footies, all over this sort of stuff, Jack. I reckon you've got a little bit to do with that. Um, but this, this is the game that's outside the game because if your team's not in finals, you'll still watch the games and have an interest because you love your footy, but you want to know what you're doing and your club's doing to get better next year. What do we got? Who can we get? What draft pick can we trade? What do you reckon we need? What does our list demo look like? This is the other game that makes footy fans, and the AFL's done a wonderful job via trade period, even though I think trade period will be pretty lax this year because there's not a huge amount of um, uncontracted uh, people in terms of, you know, uh, unrestricted or restricted free agents. We saw Darcy Parrish um, re-sign and some big names like that. But uh, I still think it's got massive interest because whilst we love our cricket, well, me, I love our cr- my cricket season and obviously the summer of tennis after Christmas, the reality is uh, you're hell-bent on footy and you want your team to be best. You know what I mean? And if your working life's pretty good and your footy life's great, it's perfect. That's how that's how we that's how we roll. So um yeah, I think there's gonna be they're not gonna be the only club. There'll be lots of changes, I think. Hundred percent. And Gold Coast will make moves as well. But Melbourne Cup, T V rights. Bit going on there. Yeah, well, Channel Seven, it's with ten and ten paid a fortune a few years ago. They really got the ugly stick, unfortunately, because it, they got it in the years of COVID where you could only have a certain amount of track people there that first year. Uh, they paid over $100 bucks, I think it was. It was a huge amount of money. Um, and I'm not sure exactly what they've got. But Channel 7 have now pulled out of the race for the Melbourne Cup, which is annoyed people associated with Victoria's racing. Um, the Nine Network's looking to take over. They're spending a bit of money because they've also just uh, rolled off the Olympics off Channel 7 as well. But there was a report on News Corp to say that Seven withdrew in anger after it became clear that Nine was the Victoria Racing's club's preferred bidder. So Victoria Racing Club had reported being lobbying for Seven to secure the cup rights in a six-year deal from 24 with upwards of $40 million. Um, obviously, the t- this is a bit messy because it's not just like AFL where you just have or other sports where you can just have one free-to-air bidder or two and they share it. They've also got the Tab Corp, which is involved as well, so the betting company, which is um, which is helping the VRC negotiate this deal. So, um, And effectively, it's the Cup Week broadcast rights. So you know, it goes all the way through. Um, and they're, they're pretty much saying their, their preference was a Seven because Seven's got also the big uh, horse racing in uh, at the same time in Sydney. So they were hoping to actually flick it as part of the same broadcast, lock it all up, have all the races, had less gaps, but it hasn't worked out that way because money talks and BS walks, as we know. So uh-huh. Seven also, Lee, as we mentioned before, walked away from the Olympics. So clearly their new deal with the AFL um, there's some cost constraints and they're working out, you know, for what the Olympics was. And I can't remember the exact deals, but there was talk. It was like $200 million for two weeks. Like you just lose money on that. And whilst it's great, it really depends what, um, what time zone it in is with whether you you limit the damage or you really struggle with the damage. So yeah, yeah, that's, that's the, um, you know, all these years where TV networks just buy up heaps between seven, nine and 10, um, Fox is obviously a bitter. We seven have done wonderfully well recently with uh, the Matildas in the uh, the World Cup. They got that for a song. Um, so I think they've just got to be a bit more mindful of how how they spend their money. 
Um, but in talking about mindful spending your money, Saudi Arabia keeps doing the good mm. stuff, I tell you. Um, and this is a story broken by Inner Sanctum website. Um, Craig Goodwin, the Adelaide United uh, skipper, or former skipper now, and Socceroo, who scored in the World Cup. Um, he's moved to Saudi Arabia. Is it Al Waldia? I don't know how to say the name. Waiter. 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 For 800,000 US dollars. Um, the Reds, uh, Adelaide United, they pocketed, um, yeah, the 800,000 US dollars, but Craig Goodwin's done a little bit better, two and a half million US dollars. He got married last weekend here in Adelaide. So uh, he was in um, the Saudis, uh, Saudi Arabia a couple of years ago and moved back, played for United, went to the World Cup. And what's interesting here is that Adelaide United fans are absolutely filthy and understand why. It's believed that Goodwin, Jack, actually went back to the club. He had two years left on a deal worth about five hundred or 600000 marquee player, right? He went back to him and said, i got two years left on my deal after signing a literally three years. Um, I want another three years to make it so a five-year deal. I don't want any more money and I'd like to stay. That was rejected. I cannot believe that. Um, so Adelaide United on the eve of this season lost their best player. Mm. So all the members have signed up going, yep, goodies sticking around. We're all happy. And the club's cashed in on him, made 800 grand. They think they can split that three ways to buy people. Good luck because you won't get Goodwin's class for that. He's a South Australian boy who wants to put roots here in South Australia. Yeah, for him, uh, he's now a wife and, and, and young family. They get to go to Saudi Arabia, $2.5 million per season, and it's effectively almost tax-free. And it leaves United, their best player, Marquis Short, and they got smashed in the um, FFA Cup 5-1. So it, it's... It's, yeah, five years for him. He's not injury prone. They no. don't play that long a season. From business point of view, it, it was it was pretty reasonable. He certainly wasn't just doing it for the money. I would have just done the deal and kept him staying. 100%. Or, or, come, or come back and go, we can give you one more or we can give you um, a one more and if you play 60% of the games, we can tap on that fifth year. He probably would have taken it. It's baffling this decision making. Absolutely, and he's on membership cards, but membership packs only got sent out the past couple of weeks, so it just gets, <laughs> it just gets worse. Yeah, so it's like the old NFC calendars, and you can't burn your tickets like the old days because then you can't get into the games, can you? No, with a plastic ta- with a plastic little tag, <laughs> Langian tag, no microwave. Um, but it's another loss as well because um, Derigio as well went to second division Poland, so. Yeah. She's like United are in all sorts. So, but another club that's had to do some interesting stuff. Penrith Panthers have had to apologise for um, an up the pars post, taking the Mickey out of the Warriors, and they've been deemed as arrogant. So, really what's this? Deal. So, explain this for me, Jack. I, I I follow rugby, but up the pars post. What's that in relation to? So, the Warriors. You mentioned the Warriors. What have they got a saying? Have they? That's supposedly theirs. Yeah, so they've uh, it's a popular catchphrase since um, the Warriors sort of been they've resurged um, up the Waz. Yeah. Um. So up the Pars is just taking the absolute pi fifty five out of that, and um, yeah, they posted that, and now they've had to apologise. And this is this is the pathetic side of professional sport. Mm-hmm. Like instead of going creating a rivalry out of this, we have to apologise. 
there's yep. nothing up the pass. It's nothing disrespectful. Yes, it's a poke at your rival. It puts more theatre in the game and more spice in the game and more people come to the game and more promotion of the game, which the game wins. So unless it's offensive, derogatory, you know, racist, sexist, mm. what are we apologising for? That's what I'm... Like, being arrogant. So fans are siding with the feel-good story of the Warriors of pain and sacrifice for the greater good of the league because obviously they lived in Australia for all that amount of time during the COVID period. Yeah, but also, let's be fair, that for the comp to go ahead, that had to happen. For the players to get paid, that had to happen. Mm-hmm. So that's also the price <laughs> you got to pay. Um, but, yeah, oh, it just baffles me. It's just censorship gone stupid. Um, go to, we'll get to the basketball now, mate, and uh, the boomers yeah. were pretty poor, but as we saw in the World Cup, that Brian Gorgian has remained his coach. And I think this is a smart move, despite a review, and, and that's all fine. But this is the same coach that got us to a bronze medal at the Olympics not so long ago. The big question that then is they need to transform their, their playing roster. Will Ben Sevens ever join in Paris 2024? Well, we don't know. Well, it's got to start with his NBA. His body's got to be right, and his contract's got to be sorted over there before he's going to make himself available. But some great news, too, that for once the US struggled because <laughs> they normally <laughs> dominate everything in this. In um, good news. Yeah, and Germany won. Um, yeah, so, yeah, I think it's it's great. First time ever. I think it'll excite Germany. Uh, Germany's a big soccer club, um, obviously, a uh, soccer sorry, country. Um and for basketball now to be put on the map, um, I think it's I think it's great. And you know, I think also too the fact that we're now seeing reports that LeBron James is trying to uh, bring a team back for USA in Paris 2024. So he's already approached people like Steph Curry, um, Kevin Durant, Anthony Davis. He doesn't have to go too far there because he, he trains with the Lakers, Tatum. <laughs> Uh, Draymond Green, Booker, Lillard, Fox, Kyrie Irving, they're all interested. So once you get the interest, looks like the dream team will be back and they'll be fighting it out at the Olympics. And I think that's great for the sport. You know, and if we're going to, you know, and that's probably going to be uh, LeBron's swan song too. That'll be his last Olympic Games. He'll probably finish up, I suspect, potentially this year, maybe the year after at the Lakers. Um, and I think the uh, basketball wins. 100%. LeBron's board wants a gold medal, I say. So that yeah. team is going to do some serious damage. Yeah, provided they actually pass the ball and just not put up shots from halfway and then mail a one in one day and not being able to deliver. <laughs> but uh, talk about in the money, Minji Lee's back, $470,000 win. It seems not, not much, doesn't it? Yeah. When you talk about live golf money. But she's uh, won the uh, L. PGA Tours Queen City Championship claiming 470000 That pushes her back inside the top 10. She's an absolute superstar. Your mate, and I'll say your mate, you don't know him. <laughs> the Spanish president has finally resigned. It took him a uh, exclusive interview with Piers Morgan to finally relent and say, yeah, I probably shouldn't have kissed that young girl uh, after they won the World Cup. Um, so uh, Luis... Rubiales has finally resigned, so Spanish football can move on, what, a month after the stupid incident? Yep. And it's a bloody shame that really overshadowed the Women's World Cup, really, because decent final, like, and this peanut's just done this. So, goodness me, honestly, thank God he's finally resigned, because this is one of the most ridiculous sagas I've ever seen. 
Yeah, well, this is they talk about the, the the business of sport, which we talk about here, Jack, on the big deal. And uh, yeah. a creative artist agency has been acquired for seven billion US dollars. Well, Jeez. this is the French billionaire Francois Henri Penal. I think that's how you might say his name. That'll do right now. Anyone who <laughs> follows Hollywood celebrity, it's Salma Hayek's uh, husband, who's a billionaire. So he's paid seven billion to acquire creative artist agency which is not only just sport management it's entertainment it's the um the whole lot it's the most valuable talent agency in the world uh overseeing just under us 18 billion dollars in sports contracts you know some of the names athletes they represent justin jefferson the nfl superstar 12-time nba all-star chris paul and many other global athletes and entertainers and geez it talks about if you want to you know the business of sport is just out of control at the moment. You know, we sit there and talk in local land about the NRL players deal coming up and the AFL one that they're looking to expect and 30% rise, um, making what you said, the average player $600,000 a year up from four hundred. You go, wow, but, well, there's bigger sports around. You know, the English Premier League are now meeting um, with governing bodies to say, hey, we need to keep a tab and have a committee to watch what the Saudis are doing, even though the English Premier League has done it to the Spanish League and lesser clubs in the <laughs> Spanish League and the Italian League and every other league below them for the last 15 years. So it just says to me where the money is and the commissions are, then talent agencies like this one are going to continue to sell in record numbers. But $7 billion, that's some serious cash. Bet they wish they had this bloke on their list, uh, Joe Burrow from Bengals. <laughs> just... Just a lazy world record NFL extension. Yeah, two hundred seventy-five million extension. Highest paid player in the history of the NFL includes a two hundred nineteen point zero one. Make sure you get the zero one. Zero one. Um, guaranteed money that is. So back in the day, a lot of these contracts, what the OE signed for fifty million, of which four millions guaranteed, and he needs to hit every possible uh, milestone to get the money. But now, as you say, two seventy-five. 219, nearly 220 million of that is guaranteed, an average of 55 million per year. Um, unbelievable. Joe Bosa, highest paid non quarterback in NFL history, 170 million extension, 122.5 million guaranteed with the 49ers. So, as we say, I remember many years ago, and it's a, and the reason I say Michael because I spent a little bit of time uh, post 2004 premiership with the Atlanta Falcons, and he was the main man. I remember weeks later he signed a 10 year 140 million dollar deal, and he was a quarterback the world hasn't ever seen. He could run, rush, throw, everything, jump people. He wasn't just one of these sit back throw quarterbacks. So it just tells you in 20 years how he's effectively, you know, close to doubled the pay. For the same position, it's unbelievable, Absolutely unbelievable, ludicrous. unreal, and even more money back to Saudi Arabia. Mo Salah, yeah. he stayed at Liverpool despite that massive offer that came in, and even Jaden Sancho, he was always also rumored to depart Manchester United, but almost came in at two hundred and fifteen mil at the end for Salah. That might have was a reported offer, but never came forward. So they'll come hard for him again. Yeah, they're going to come hard for him in January. And the Sancho one is also potentially back to Borussia Dortmund, his old club. And he's obviously after a fallout with the United manager where he probably didn't do the smart thing and went public of his comments. That never helps you when you've got a headstrong manager like United do. But as you say, that $215 million offer for Salah, that came after the English Premier League um, window ch- uh, had shut. So even if Liverpool were going to cash in, they know the Saudis will come back for more money. They they rejected the 150 million. 
um, on the eve of the, the window shutting, it never gave him a chance to think about replacing that type of player. So, yeah, it was smart business by Liverpool, certainly. Um, but, yeah, it just continues to um, to smash the game. And it's a real challenge that the English Premier League uh, is going to face too because if you've got those players that are towards the end or players who know that they're never going to earn the real big money and they get an opportunity... Because some of the players I sit there and I follow the sock, I go, him, him, yeah, oh, he's a good player. Oh, he's gone now for thirty million pounds in the Saudis. Wow, mm. he might have been a three million dollar player in Europe or in Italy. You know what I mean? So that's where the challenges are. But one guy has probably done really well over the journey, but has certainly missed out on the the Saudi opportunities is Paul Pogba. So the uh, French winning World Cup player, Juventus player, it was formerly of Juventus before that, Man United, the whole lot. He's now facing a multi-year suspension after testing positive for a performance-enhancing drug. I thought the days of performance-enhancing drugs have gone. Yeah. Um, we hadn't seen anyone for a while. So he's tested positive for a testosterone after Juve's last match with Udinese on um, August 20. So he, he didn't even actually play that day, but he still had to get so tested. Um, and he could be two years and extended to four should the National Anti-Doping Tribunal prove the alleged doping infraction was actually intentional. So, um, yeah, ugly times for him. And it hasn't been a great time for him because for very many years he was sort of dominating, playing great, cashing in financially, then got lots of injuries, and now he's followed with this. So it, it certainly hasn't helped him out um, over that period. And Yeah. yeah. Now he's in a bit of strife, uh, Pogba. So, but, you know, who's not in strife? Real Madrid, what a stadium. Yeah, and I'd suggest any of our listeners who are listening to this, please get on and Google. There's a couple of videos, um, a retractable pitch at the Bernabeu, um, also a retractable roof. Um, I know there was a mate of yours, Brad Scott, who used to coach North Melbourne, now Essendon, who never liked um, the roof being opened at Marvel Stadium at the time. Um, But Madrid will earn billions in additional revenue from this transformation. And the thing that I love most about this uh, I watched one of the videos and Jack had showed the, you know, the stadium beautifully fit, roof coming back, retracting the whole lot. Jeez, this looks amazing. Oh, but what do you do, for example, who's the name? Big name. Kids go crazy when Taylor Swift goes to town. All right, Taylor Swift or Metallica or um, Ed Sheeran or Coldplay go, we're going to do a tour and play in Madrid. Yeah, we want to play at the Bernabeu. And you go, well... There's a soccer game coming up in three days' time. And we've faced it at Adelaide Oval or um, at the start of the, the MCG with Ed Sheeran's concert. Don't worry, because they can press a button and they can actually lower the pitch. And I'm not saying they lower the pitch as one hole. They actually slide it across and in segments. There's probably about 10 or so segments, 10 metres or so, down, cross and under. So then another flooring comes up over the top so you can enjoy your concert. But meanwhile, while you're at concert... The turf underneath is still the same turf that uh, I was going to say Ronaldo, not there anymore. Benzema, not there now. Who Jude Bellingham, the English superstar <laughs> who's at Real Madrid, um, is underneath what you're dancing above on on another floor, right? But underneath the floor that you're dancing on is a hydroponic lighting setup, so the grass continues to grow. This thing is all click button. It is unbelievable, and seriously some of the cash these guys will be making will be dead set phenomenal. Um, and, and, you know, the stadium looks absolutely schmick and it's cost them, what, close to a billion dollars, billion mm. euros to get it done. And and I'd love to know that some of the revenues they're going to get out of this in time. It's going to be phenomenal. Well, they've been playing loans for a few years, I think, Real Madrid, but 
unlike Barcelona, where their stadium's a bit falling apart and a bit all over the shop, Real Madrid are just going from one level strength to another. Strength and strength. Yep. 100%. Yep. And then they're talking next year that they'll probably get Mbappe on a free uh, transfer if he follows through with some of the rumours from uh, Paris Saint-Germain. Uh, it, it's unbelievable. But when you cost spend it a billion on a new stadium, you know you're making serious money. And they're always finishing in the top four or so in the Champions League. So there's that money. The top two generally uh, in Spain, you know, they, they print money for a living, these guys. Speaking of uh, going from one level to the next, Novak Djokovic um, is now the equal Grand Slam record holder with Margaret Court after beating Daniil Medvedev 6-3, 7-6, 6-3 in the US Open. Yeah, he becomes the oldest champ um, as well. And this is phenomenal. When you look at the last few years, he was locked out of Australia to play COVID, America for, I think, two or three years. So then you're in a situation where he couldn't even compete in some. Other places where I think in America, they wouldn't even let him um, put his Serbian flag up. Um even though he has nothing to do with the war, but that's okay. Um, he did celebrate with Matt McConaughey, the actor, and also paid homage to his mate, late great mate, uh, Kobe Bryant, with 24 jerseys. So he printed out his own 24 jerseys with a link with his 24 Grand Slams. So he, he's been phenomenal. He's still, you know, people talk about Alcarez, how he's going to take over the mantle, and that was after um, Wimbledon. Well, he's won three of the four, and he's been runner-up in Wimbledon. So this is phenomenal. I think he's still got a few more good years, and he's just so professional and so brilliant, and I think he gets everything he deserves. People might not like his mannerisms or the way he goes about it, but you got to respect him. He works hard. He plays hard. He trains hard. He's won 24 in an era where arguably it was probably the most competitive period in time too with Nadal, uh, Federer, the like. Um, and he's come out on top. 100%. Uh, he definitely deserves everything. But these guys also deserve everything that they've got. This is one of the more remarkable things I've ever read. 11,000 runners out of 30,000 in a marathon in Mexico City were disqualified after cutting part of the course. <laughs> this is something Smart. that I would do. I, I would, would do it I'd too do it. at the moment. Absolutely. I always had this great intention. Everyone goes, oh, you run a marathon. I couldn't. I couldn't even run to the coffee shop right now without something <laughs> ripping. Um, but, yeah, when you've done that, well, 11,000. So a th- more than a, we're about a third. More than a third have been disqualified mm. for cutting quarter, a part of the course during the uh, 26.2 mile or 42.2 Ks. Um, some use vehicles. <laughs> Someone really did their homework, Jack. Yeah. They use public transport, which suggests you'd have to actually download the timetable when the bus is here and hope that you get the right one so you can keep your time going and you maybe don't get on the early one that goes real too quick because otherwise you break a world record and you look like you're having not even sweating. But this is, not the, this is not even the first time either because back in 2017, uh, 6,000 runners were disqualified <laughs> um, and 3,000 in 2018. So I would suggest that this uh, mass cheating marathon um, has some massive issues because if they still can't stop this, what is going to happen? And, and the nem- the numbers aren't tracking well. They're tracking north. So it starts at 3,000 a few years ago. Now it's 11,000. This is, no surprise, the Mexico City Marathon. Um, <laughs> you've probably got to do it at the side go, yeah, keep running that way. That's the way you need to go. But that's a ripping story, an absolute cracker. Public transport. That, yeah, like you wouldn't be able to do that in Adelaide. No. You'd come last. Yeah. You'd be waiting for the train. They go, didn't they tell you that we know there was a strike on today? Oh, shit. I'm going to actually have to run this joint now. <laughs> oh, don't worry. We had the Adelaide Marathon on the Port Adelaide Richmond final round, round 24 game. So anyone going to Adelaide Oval couldn't get in on the eastern side of the, the Oval. That's how well we work here. But Oh, God. 
Uh, well, mate, it's been an, a ripping week in sport. That concludes our wrap for the week. But if um, you want the numbers, you want the detail, you can sign up for free at www.thebigdeal.au. Thank you for your time, Jack. We'll catch you next week. Um, and we will send all our show notes to you straight to your inbox. Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of The Big Deal. Before you go, don't forget to join our community by subscribing for free at www.thebigdeal.au and get a weekly email bringing together the hottest sports deals, breaking sports biz news as it happens and much more. Join me at www.thebigdeal.au.